0: Welcome to Maiden Speech. I'm your host, Monica Ferguson, self-worth and mindset coach and portrait photographer from New Zealand. And you are in the right place to get uplifted, empowered and inspired. I'm so lucky to have amazing guests come on and share their wisdom about all things related to personal development and being the best version of ourselves. I'm really passionate about reminding people that they are good enough and to have honest and vulnerable conversations where we connect on a real level and have lots of laughs. You can find me on Facebook at Monica Coaching, where you can join my group for extra inspiration and I'm also on Instagram at mon3.0. Thanks so much for being here and please reach out and connect. I would love to hear from you. Let's get into it. Hey, hey friends, Monica Ferguson here and welcome back to Maiden Speech. I had the communication queen herself Jen Tyson return and she has so much wisdom around da, da 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 communication but in particular how to communicate with people who have a really different style to us. So for example, if you are like me and you're a lot more, you know, emotional, heart-led that kind of thing, how to work with someone who is a lot more analytical, logical that kind of thing. How to make your values kind of you know how to meet in the middle she she had so many amazing tips on this and then we talked a lot about authenticity and vulnerability as well so this is so good if you are on this journey of you know really owning your stuff personal development wanting to be a better version of yourself wanting to create more impact more you know more authenticity more realness in the world this is a must here absolutely hope you guys have a great week catch up soon
1: welcome back Jen Tyson (laughs) <laughs> thanks it says something because if you didn't like what i said last time you wouldn't have invited me back so thanks for having me back it <laughs> does say something
0: oh it so does i actually have not that anyone else can see this but you can see this oh they're gone. hang on i took notes i was just saying to you before we started i actually listened to this um mm. podcast several times because i actually learned so much and mm. I have many questions for you. Are you ready for this?
1: Go for it. <laughs> like she's standing up even, like ready to go. <laughs> I have a standing desk, people. Just I love- <laughs> <to deny. laughs> no, I love my standing desk. It makes me feel engaged. Yeah. So I, yeah, the
0: last podcast I loved so much. And I know I keep on saying, oh, we'll talk about this. And we'll talk about this. It's like, okay. So I feel like last time we covered so much. And I'm like, what I would love to go deeper with you about is, communicating effectively with people who are really different to us. who have a completely different approach to us. And I'd love to give you an example, which may or may not be relevant to me. (laughs) Um, So you know me, right? So you know me. So you know that I'm very, um, very heart led, very empathetic, very connected to like emotional stuff and to other people's feelings and that kind of thing. Now, how would I be best advised to communicate with someone who is the not the exact opposite but who's very much an analytical logical in your head rational does it make sense kind of person um I can see you nodding away I'm like yeah you can just run with this because
1: (laughs) you already know what I'm saying well my first question back to you was can you describe me who that opposite is but you just did that so I was like (laughs) yay thank you yeah um And kind of the principles around communication styles, default communication styles and just how we are as individuals apply to all of life. So um, the funny thing is, is when people do these communication styles questionnaires and and group settings with me, they'll go, Oh, well, I know I'm a this here, but I'm actually a that there. So it's quite interesting to me that um, particularly with that Style questionnaire you know we might be One person at work which is Actually what some, something Rosie covers Is your work persona yeah. So we have a some people have a work vision And a home vision I would say that was true for all of us So sometimes My answer depends on What environment yeah. um, That is in so if that's Useful to the particular scenario Is that a work environment or A, a personal environment
0: Personal But interesting that you say that because this person talks a lot about um, like having a mask, like a work Mm. mask, you know, like that persona they kind of embody at work because it's really effective and leadership and stuff like that. And I find that that quite often comes home, you know, it's like it comes Mm. into the personal stuff. So it's kind of, yeah, exactly that, like figuring out how to actually make that work because I
1: yeah (laughs) so when so when we do so the the greatest tool that i have is my communication styles assessment and the reason is is because on the page um there's a page that talks about just even acknowledging what the other person is or might be so if the other person hasn't taken the a test and, and you're thinking oh well look um You being a heart, I'm I'm picking, and I might be wrong, but I'm picking your dominant communication styles will more than likely be around the influencer, connector area. So um, the influencers and connectors are the relationship people. They're the people people. The doers and the thinkers are the task people. So said example person (laughs) will be in the doer and thinker category potentially we're just really guessing here but it's not too hard once you kind of understand the profiles there's there's four boxes that we genuinely generally stick people into for this and the reason is we're not trying to shove you in a box but it's such an insight insightful tool because here's the first part of the um, answer to your question once you understand It's like you talked about the love languages last time we were together. Mm -hmm. It's the same. uh Once we understand Mm -hmm. the other person's communication style, then you can have a conversation with them just around that. So it's like a conduit. So the first thing I do is segue into that conversation, however you like to uh, frame that up. So a couple of ideas would be, oh, hey, Sue. Um, just checking in I've just found out my communication style is probably around this one you're quite different and I'm just checking in how we can perhaps work together or communicate together better so that we're not butting heads so often, that's the sort of thing I would say, it depends how you frame that up in the language you use and, and the environment is depends very much on the level of your relationship and confidence but I'd map something out that felt good and it's about a two-way, so it's not like, you know what, you've got a terrible time of communication and we're just like, so you're not going in with any sort of judgment on them or yourself. Yeah. I draw a bridge, okay? Yep. So once you've <laughs> kind of got your, oh, yeah, we do communicate quite differently. And you can just, even if you don't want to do the test, you could literally just ask some questions. Questions are powerful. So, you know, say, Come on, how do you like to be communicated with? Do you like it to the point bullet or do you like it like fluff and friendly? And you can just use some words and within a few minutes, the person will be like, oh, no, don't give me any fluff, just give me the point. You know, right away you'll be like, right, they're a a thinker sort of person. So like the love languages, finding out what your communication style is or even just understanding more about their style differences so what are their strengths? You're looking for what are their strengths, not what are their poo weaknesses because yeah. that's negative. Yeah. So what are your strengths? What are their strengths? And then you draw this little stick people bridge, which is what I draw when I'm in a conference room. Yeah. And i will be like polar opposites. You're on either side of the bridge. Topic is under the bridge. Mm-hmm. And you need to build a bridge and get over it. And so basically, <laughs> it's that simple. So what happens is... If we've got a completely different communication style to another person, we just, you know, we might come across that bridge, but we'll quickly retreat because it was yucky on the bridge or that person didn't come and play or they came and played and it wasn't pleasant, so they went back. You just end up with these people that just can't work it out. So it's about finding out, I'll give you an example. Yes, Always do. Okay, <laughs> so example. Uh, let's use emails as an example. Yet, I will talk from a doer perspective because I'm a doer. And if I get an email from a thinker, so we're both, you know, on that task spectrum, but I'm a doer slash influencer, so I'm about the people. Now the the thinker will send me an email that'll be like a novel. Yeah. It'll be long and lots of words, <laughs> and I'll be like, far out. What do they want? You know? That'll be the email that I'll go, ah, mañana look at it another day and it just goes down my track so when the thinker thinks i want to give you all the information that's their default they have to give you all the information they love collecting information and sharing information and they think everyone else wants all the information and so the doers have often got the information which is my example from our first podcast was like doers are like sail the ship thinkers are like stop check the list now think about in an email Now, how do we stop tearing each other's hair out by like, you know, never reading my emails? Well, why would I read your emails? Because they're like novels, man, you know, and you just get on two sides of the bridge. So I stop reading their emails. They might stop sending them or they might send even longer ones with even more information thinking I don't get it. So there's lots of assumptions being made. So let's cut to the chase, cut the assumptions. We have a conversation, say, look, I'm a doer. And says, Oh, I'm a thinker and identify with these things. Great. Well, how about we get on that bridge and talk about how you can get information to me in a way that I want to receive that? That's the bottom line. Oh, that's so that is like, so good. So basically, the, the solution that I've had so many people use for that scenario is they will send an email to me that will have an action or a statement in the subject line. First line will be what they want me to do with that information. There'll be some key bullet points and then they can give me all the scenario below to satisfy them if they want. Yeah. Well, I don't have to read it. I just know exactly what to do with that email real quick. So they get to be them. This is the key. They get to be them and I get to be me, but we've met on the bridge and we've both compromised. You can still send me a long email, but here's how I like it structured. Yeah. So, it's the same with your scenario with the other person. Yeah. You're going to have to figure out what their not negotiables are, what they need, talk a little bit of their language, but also they need to also come your way a little bit too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. So interesting. So, so interesting. Because I think, like, just thinking about communication in general. So I now that you talk about all these other different things, I'm like, I'm kind of a doer as well, but then I'm also a thinker, but then I I would have been someone who would have sent a along as text, you know, <laughs> and said person would have been like, Oh my God, this is ridiculous, you know, but how, how does communication work when say one of us is a lot more expressive. One of us is a lot more like I communicate by opening up, by sharing what I'm thinking about, sharing what I'm feeling mm. Said person doesn't really know how to deal with emotional stuff and so it ends up being this thing where I don't really feel heard and it like it annoys so we're both kind of pushing you know it's like how do you how do you kind of navigate that sort of thing because I know that um like is there a huge difference between personal and professional
1: relationships? Yeah well that's sort of finishing that comment I made before is that um I think it's true for all of us that we do have a little bit of a difference and it's probably healthy, right? Because, yeah. you, know, you know, I come home kick off, and I just want to be myself. There's certainly things I'd probably, some things I'd say and do at home, but I definitely wouldn't in a professional setting. I think it becomes a worry, though, when people are so different, they have to be or feel they have to be so different at work that they're almost unrecognizable when they use words like mask. Because that to me, and this is just my view, so I'm completely happy if anyone disagrees with me, but for me, my experience, it's actually a little bit unhealthy because it potentially means that you're not working in the right environment for your personality because there just shouldn't be black and white. There should not be night and day. It could be shades of gray. So you're a version of you here, your authentic self here, but you're also a version of your authentic self here rather than I'm this person at work and I'm this person at home because I just yeah so that's more where I come from is yep. what's and, and, and you adapt so if you've got work environments where you need to protect yourself and things like that it might be time to rethink your work environment mm. <laughs> if it's you know not where you can be yourself so um answering your question around uh, emotions okay you just opened another Pandora's box so (laughs) emotions emotions is a whole module in one of my work days and in leadership circles it's a fascinating one because here's the way we need to look at emotions in my view emotions provide information they give us information yeah if people aren't going into emotion or aren't and everybody's got a different profile on that but there are chances are that they have a particular belief about emotions um they might find them challenging they might have grown up with emotions being a bad thing or used as blackmailing or you just don't know so once again ask the question and it could be a question like hey, I'm just wondering, I'm a really emotional person. I kind of feel like this is, I've actually done this in my own life. I kind of feel like that irritates you a bit. Can I just check in how you view emotions? Like, is it something you think are necessary? You know, just start to have a conversation. Your purpose for these conversations and questioning become curious because your purpose for that is what? It's understanding. Mm -hmm. So the deeper you can dig, And and if you've got someone like that and I know what that's like, um, is sometimes their porcupine quills come out and good luck on getting in there without getting pricked. But um, there's always ways, you know, there's always so timing is everything. So just figuring out the questions that you're going to ask and asking it in a friendly fun sort of relaxed way but making sure that the person is in a receptive space and not feeling ambushed or Spanish Inquisition or whatever so Mm. questions provide information and the more info you can get the deeper you can go in your understanding the more understanding you get the less conflict you'll have and less frustration
0: yeah totally and all I hear through everything you've said so far is a real sense of self-awareness like as well in order for us to go in right and also to to speak in a way that we're listening to understand as opposed to have it that our way is right and you're wrong it's just it's actually the fact that we're all totally different and actually the differences um are really interesting because you do learn a lot and you grow a lot but it is yeah it is just learning how to navigate that I I feel like and making sure that your needs still get met as well that you don't really have to shrink you know or be different like you still want to be fully yourself
1: but yeah, kind of, I don't know, it's an interesting scenario. It's a really interesting and I think, scenario. I think, you know, it's like, it's another example I can give you is if you're an optimist and you're surrounded by pessimists or people who've adopted that because of whatever, uh, you know, COVID lockdown was a really good example of that for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> optimists need optimists to feed. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you don't get that from one relationship at a particular season in your life, whether it be work or personal get it from somewhere else so that you stay topped up because you can't give out of an empty vessel. So um, and us, extroverted optimists tend to be the ones that want to make everything happy again. So we can drain ourselves very, very fast. And actually the person on the other side isn't even bothered. What <laughs> you always annoys me. It's like, um, are you even bothered by this? Right. Um, it's like, <laughs> this is really eating away at me and you don't seem like you even care. No, I'm just kidding. Um, don't, I'm not. That's exactly it. <laughs> but, it's like, but it's interesting, right?
0: When you deal with someone who is so logical and they deal with only facts, figures, what is true, what do we have control yeah. over? And it's like, they can just compartmentalize and say, well, I've got no control over that. So I'm not going to worry about it. And whereas for me, like I feel everything you know mm. I that's that's how I navigate stuff I feel it I talk about it I you know so it's like for I me so it's actually, you. yeah and that's a big part of the way that I connect and that I feel um yeah close to someone is that I really open up how I'm feeling so when you can sometimes feel like you're getting hit back with a brick wall where it's just not going in you sort of think oh and it makes me want to sort of like retreat you know back into my shell a little bit but it's mm. just because it doesn't make sense you know it doesn't make sense to him but it's so it's re- yeah it's just figuring.
1: There's out. some great <laughs> look. One of my favourite books on this and leadership. Um, and you may have already read it, but if you have, maybe go back and um see if there's new stuff that pops out. I'm just finishing it. Is um rising strong by Brené Brown. Mm. So, oh Built look, on my list. have you read mm-hmm. any of hers? Yeah, I have. Yeah, so I'd already read three of her books. I'd read daring greatly and um. Yeah. I can't remember the other one, but this one, for some reason, this one cropped up later. And I think it's one of her earlier books. Holy cajoli guacamole. Like, <laughs> seriously, I'm like, I'm audio books and I'm like, Oh, preach it sister. And it's very much around what you're talking about right now. Holding space for another person's vulnerability, especially for people that aren't into vulnerability. And it's like, and also, holding space for our own vulnerability it's amazing it's amazing and even she goes into how to communicate that stuff like language to use it's just you'll love it you'll chew it up for breakfast it's such a cool book that it's challenging as well so it's very much about challenging our own like i felt it i found it quite confronting as much as insightful so mm. beware yes but, um <laughs> Look, all I have to say on the entire topic that we've talked about so far is remember, it's all about getting that understanding. And the only way you can seek to understand is by seeking to understand. Yeah. So you know, so much conflict and so much frustration and hurt would go away in our lives mm. if we just took some time to ask ourselves good questions and ask other people good questions with an intention for bettering the relationship.
0: Yeah. And now we've got Brene Brown, Brown on the brain. I was like, can I get those three words out? Wow. Yeah. You did smashing well. Yes. it. Yeah. Yeah, it. <laughs> um, I was actually just thinking about when I had this in my notes from, from our last session around vulnerability and the role of it in good communication. So I mean, obviously it requires that, right. In order for us to actually hold space, like you say, for someone else and listen with compassion, um, and a self-awareness even is vulnerability. It's, a, you know, opening ourselves up to actually looking at the truth, whether we like it or not, and owning our role in things. And um, I kind of wonder: do you think that some of the communication issues for people come from not wanting to be vulnerable.
1: Oh, yeah, some of, heaps of. Yeah. It's just, and it's not a judgment if someone's listening to this and they're feeling condemned. That's not the point of my statement. My point of my statement is awareness. Like if you can become aware of times that you hold back um or on the times where you're communicating from a place of hiding your own vulnerability become aware and 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 have a look and read some books and get some coaching you know or get you know anybody who wants to become a fast runner gets a coach anyone who wants to become an amazing leader gets a coach you know you just I just can't reiterate enough just invest in some personal development time and really look at that because it's not that you want to stand up the front of the room and wear your underwear on your arm you know like that's not what we're talking about here it may feel like that yeah so i just as you know wrote my finished because i've got lots (laughs) of books on the boil finished my first (laughs) ebook god i tell you you want vulnerability that's like slashing myself open and standing naked on the stage in front of a hundred people. Like it's really that vulnerable. Like you pour your mm-hmm. heart and soul into something and you publish it and go ta-da and then, you know, to not sit there and go, Oh, I hope people like it and have all those inner critic things going on. Yeah. That's the ultimate vulner- vulnerability. vulnerability. Yeah. Yet I was brave enough to do it. So that's me stepping into my stretch. So yes, we do hold ourselves back. Um, but even in just interactions like this, you know, if someone's vulnerability buttons are being pushed and they're not confident on something, that can look like a lot of things in an environment that's not healthy communication-wise. It can look like, you know, some mass jealousy. People can be throwing someone else under the bus, um, you know, blaming Naming, shaming, gossip, all that sort of stuff is bred. All that unhealthy communication below the line stuff is really bred out of other people's insecurities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even some of the assumptions we make. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, she did that, so she must think I'm ugly. Or she did that, so she mustn't, you know. Oh, Monica didn't ask me back for a second podcast, so she mustn't have liked the first one. You know, it's not, it's, <laughs> no, we make up all this poo in our head about the world and other people and what they think. And we're laughing and talking to it very openly today, but this is very real pain for a lot of people. Yeah. So vulnerability, it's necessary in leadership for exceptional leaders are exceptionally self-aware. And that's my whole like thing. It's actually at the top of my bio in my book on the back page. It's like exceptional leaders are exceptionally self-aware. And so self-awareness is key. Um, and vulnerability is part of that picture.
0: Mm. Do you think that people still view vulnerability as being weak?
1: Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people that do. They they view it as unnecessary. So a lot of people that live in their heads, I call it, you know, very head-focused people. And by the way, we need everybody in this world because we could not have the world run by... A bunch of connectors running riot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or influencers having a party and blowing on the whistle all the time. Um, <laughs> my good lord, can you imagine? Uh, and everybody and the thinkers would think us all to death, and the doers would sail too many ships, and we'd miss them all. Yeah. So we, do, we need to. We need to remember that everybody's valuable. But. Um, what was my train of thought? I've just lost my train of thought completely on that because we went too much into party mode, which is my influencer.
0: <laughs> we started out talking about
1: vulnerability being viewed as weakness. Yes. So those that are very factual, data-driven um, people that are very scientific mind, things like that, they're often up in the thinker doer camp, mm-hmm. and they really, really find vulnerability and emotion something is quite unnecessary and often actually i was in a leadership summit for women in public sector recently and the women in there were just like oh you know some of them i'd say something like emotions about that feeling stuff do we have to go there you know and there's a it was all women 70 women in a room all top leaders across a multitude of you know and environments and um So many of them really struggled with going there, as they called it, on the feelings stuff. Mm -hmm. Yet, so many of them struggle with people with emotional outbursts or showing emotion in the team. One woman had someone turning up to work every day crying. She's just like looking at me with her hands up going, what do I do with that? I was like, wow, okay, what don't you do with that? Because you need to just that person's got that emotion for a reason. What's the information you can gather yeah. in order to help them through that? So it was just, it's just this whole side that I think that there's a bunch of people that do get it and then there's a lot of people that don't and would still argue. They Literally, if they were on the Zoom right now, they'd have a point-blank argument as to all the reasons why emotions don't belong in business and don't belong in the office and mm-hmm. all those sort of things. That we just hurt, it's the same as the masks, yeah. So, I put it to you and the audience right now if we are not so, if, if we look at ourselves as a whole being entire, so that is our intuitive wisdom, our emotions, our intelligence, you know, our intellect, emotional quotient, um, our physical self, our mental self because that's what I believe we are mm-hmm. at work, at play, everything, we are an entire being. And if we take that person and we just, for the day, while we're at work, take the little block box or drawer out that we've compartmentalized emotions in and we just leave it in the car, mm-hmm. then we are not taking our whole selves to work. Mm, we are leaving true. an entire piece of ourselves somewhere else. Yeah. Now, if you look at us as information, so if you're looking at me, and I'm a big screen, and you're thinking, ooh, what's all this information? I want to read her better. I want to communicate with her better. But I've left my box of emotions in the car. Then I'm not being fair to you in our relationship because you and I, I'm not bringing everything to the table.
0: (laughs) I love that. I Yeah, since, honestly, Brené Brown has totally changed the whole world, hasn't she, in terms of shame and vulnerability and stuff like that. So But, But it's been really interesting to kind of navigate in my own life as well and because last year when we started the self-worth tribe we Mm. we agreed that we were going to go first so we were going to make ourselves really vulnerable first so that everyone else felt safe to do so and it was really interesting because my my friend um jade i can't remember who went first her we, we each took a day and i'd written this whole thing up and it was like like you say in your ebook you know heart on you know like oh my god oh my god and um and like my partner came home and looked at me and he was like, what's wrong? And I was white and I was cold. And like, honestly, I was so wow. afraid of putting the stuff out there and thinking, you know, oh my God, like once you do it, you can't take it back. And what's everyone going to think and all that stuff. But then also having that bigger part of us, which was like, we have to go first because we wanted it to be real. We didn't want any of this superficial fluff. We wanted mm. real. And so it um, took me like five hours to post it. And I posted it and within three seconds, I wanted to take it down straight away. I was like, ah, and then I freaked out, right? And I was like, honestly, I termed the coin um, vulnerability hangover after that. Because that's like what I had. Oh, that's how I felt for the rest of the night. And then my friend Jade wrote something similar and I read it and I called her afterwards and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so proud of you because it's, it's so interesting when it's within us that we feel, and honestly, that thing of weakness came up. I was like, oh my gosh, I look weak. No one's ever going to take me seriously as a professional now because they know this is my, these are my dirty secrets. But it's the flip side. On the contrary, people so connect much. to you. They relate to you because you're human. You're real. You share your stuff. It's like you're an example of moving through these things. Yeah. Um, but it's this crazy thing in our heads that And I think this is the the thing that I really want to be a part of shifting as well is the shame, the stigma, the fear around being vulnerable. Like vulnerability is power. Only the bravest people do it. You see it all the time, you know. Um, But it is such an interesting thing that, like you say, there are still these people that like emotions. And it's like, are you serious? Someone who has self awareness and owns their emotions is the they are the most brilliant. People and they are the ones that serve to the fullest capacity because, like you said, they bring their full selves, none of that's in the car
1: when they, you know, (laughs) totally. And I'd rather be around people that have their full selves in the picture because then you're not guessing where you stand, you're not having to spend all this energy worrying about what they think, you just know you've got an authentic, real so the world needs more authenticity in leaders transparency and authenticity and yeah. um and like i said you know if you choose to be in leadership and you're holding like four boxes of yourself in the car then your team don't know who you are yeah. how the heck can you have rich connected communication high level communication exceptional relationships because not all of you's on the table not all of you's in that meeting room yeah. and so for whatever reason, and this isn't meant as a judgment, so please don't get it like that, but it's curiosity and some questions to ask yourself. And you may have gone to that space and become that sort of person because it's not been safe mm. for you to open yourself up. Yeah. So, you know, seek, seek those relationships more often and, and they take time and effort and they're not always comfortable. That's the thing with communicating at this level. Yeah, It's not always comfortable because even having vital conversations, people call them courageous conversations. There is such an element of vulnerability there Yeah, because you're actually, if you work through my, one of my, I've got a free course on there. If anybody's interested at in, around having vital conversations and there's actually a framing worksheet where it tells you how to prepare for a conversation. And it could be about a raise. It could be about a promotion. It could be about someone's behavior, lots and lots of different ways you could use it that it asks really good questions like, you know, what about how they're feeling? What about your intentions? Are you trying to be right? Like you said at the beginning. Yeah. So if you go into any conversation, any at all, with the need to be right, yeah. you might as well just put the big L shirt on right now because then you'll just have two losers. Like, those will you'll lose. You'll lose. <laughs> yeah. And I know that's really harsh. I love so it. <laughs> it's just, but it's actually really true. Whereas if you go in... With a you know, with a view that there's perspectives, there's different perceptions and everyone's perception is reality, then you come into that vulnerable space of accepting that your perception may not be theirs, and you may not agree and it's okay. And that's vulnerability at its core. It's yeah. like we may talk about something robustly, disagree, robustly, but at the end of the day we'd still be friends. And we'd still respect that each have had their own perspective and that we've been able to freely express that without judgment and condemnation. Isn't that a wonderful picture? Like wouldn't you just love all your relationships to be at that level of honesty?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you said about how we need everyone because that oh, there it. is so much to learn actually from people who are so different to us. Like I find, cause you know, it's really easy when you're in your little space um it's easy to go extreme like it would be easy for me to you know it's actually nice to have someone who's very different balance me out a little bit um yeah but it's like yeah it's very interesting i would love to get that um that form off you by the way i'm sure lots of people would benefit from that from your course
1: oh the vital conversations (laughs) is actually one of my more popular free courses it's the one that the most amount of people have signed up for um and uh, yeah because it's just all about having the courage to have those conversations that matter so my whole thing is you know be brave enough to have a conversation that matters yeah because if we're not if we're holding back we're still keeping a part of us out of that relationship so just say you know we're friends we're tricking along and there's something that you keep doing like that really irks me or vice versa and we don't say anything because we're too afraid that you might hate me or all the other things that will make up our own narratives about what will happen. Um, once again, assumption, assumption, assumption. And we stay dishonest in the relationship because we're holding on. So we, I call that being out of integrity with the other person and yourself. Yeah. Because actually there's something I really need to say to you, Monica, but I'm just not brave enough and I'm too afraid of what might happen. So I'll just pretend everything's okay and if I'm one other type of person, I might tell someone else. Mm. Or if I'm not that type of person, I keep it to myself. But every time I see you and you do that thing, it's just like, oh, oh you know, and it it, it gets in the yeah. way of our freedom and our relationship and um leads us to, you know, not be truly honest with each other. Whereas all it takes, my experience with those vital conversations, because people are really scared of them, is press in and do the small ones first and, and and then you get braver and better it's like going to the gym start by lifting a kilo then go to two then go to three whatever um and how cool is it when you have you know I just don't hesitate anymore I'm not saying it's not comfortable it's comfortable for me because there's still yeah. those ones I want to avoid like the plague I'm like I need to have that conversation and I have to kick myself up the butt but I do it and I do it quickly. So I address things quickly in my life so I don't have all this baggage that I'm taking mm. on the trip. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so if that relationship that you were talking about earlier or that, you know, that, um, you know, convers- communication styles, that there is an example of a vital conversation. Yeah. Because it's not working the way it is for you. It might be working for the other person just because they're not worried but that doesn't mean that it's working. So it's like you now have the choice and the empowered choice to go and have that vital conversation to start the inquiry and start the understanding process. Mm -hmm. Yeah it just it. goes deeper and deeper. I mean like yeah. you know I feel like I'm getting my spade out and I'm just digging that hole deeper but you know
0: that's
1: kind of like <laughs> I, I keep looking at the clock and I'm like how does this happen we've been talking for ages and it feels like
0: seconds really? yeah oh my gosh but here. um I also just wanted to comment on what you were talking about you know when when something's really bugging you and you don't say it I actually feel like at that point for so many of us it actually becomes a self-worth issue and because it's like an act of betrayal if we feel something really strongly and we don't say it it's like we're putting everyone else's needs before our own and we kind Mm. of disempower ourselves and this is one of the things that I've noticed for people that even let's say people needed to have this conversation with someone but they didn't feel that they could I will get them to journal about it so I will get them to write it because just that act of saying what they mean even to a diary like it gives them their voice back and they start to feel oh and they they're reminded that actually you know i am worthy of this like i i actually do deserve to have good relationships and it's like you take Mm. your power back um which i feel like that's what it sounds like you're talking about you know it's you are in an empowered state when you you can't go into these conversations kind of like love me anyway because then you're never going to say what you mean so you do have Mm. to have that that backing of self-respect i guess um
1: First. yeah and I think the important thing yeah and I think the important thing is so in my course I also talk about because often people don't speak because they don't have the words to say so yep the fear holding them back but then like so I could get over the fear but I still wouldn't know what to say or I'd stuff it up by opening the conversation wrong so I do and when you see what I've written it's so they're really basic but because our issues individually are so up in our own face like I, I'm showing my hand in my own face right now that's our issues. And it really, when we're there, it's that up there, we can't necessarily see, we can't be creative about how to get out of it. So it's just having a framework, it's having some questions to ask and some things to use that help people to understand and take their power back. That having that conversation, and those conversations can be about boundaries too. So if someone's repeatedly, you know, crossing your boundaries, it does come back to yourself with why, are you allowing them to, to, you know, because as long as someone's taking advantage of you, and I'm not saying that in, you know, because I don't want people who are like in, you know, maybe domestic situations that they feel empowered, you know, that's not that level. I'm just talking about in a general level. Yeah. Um, if there's someone at work who's always asking you to finish their work and you keep finishing their work, then you're your own worst enemy instead of actually having that vital conversation and saying... You know what, Joe? You finish your own work. No, not quite like that. But but, you know, it's you can do it nicely. Yeah.
0: So what happens when you need to have a vital conversation with someone, and you've done the best that you can, you know, to come in open-minded, all that sort of thing, and they have a really strong and negative response to that? How do you navigate that?
1: I have. Mm. So two things. First of all, realizing that conversations are powerful. Mm-hmm. all conversations are powerful one way or the other second accepting that um the better i got at the skill i will get eight to nine conversations that'll go well so yeah. that leaves a deficit of one to two that won't yeah and it's okay because it's still a powerful conversation because guess what i still have a choice mm. the choice might not be the one i wanted to make um and my example for that is um working in a contract situation many years ago and the contract person in charge of my contract I deeply loved and respected Um, it switched hands and the new person was someone that oh man our values were so like North Pole and South Pole okay so that's what it was about values were not aligned at all and I tried I'm a communicator I tried And I went to have this vital conversation with this person, used my own framework, did everything, like you just said, did my best, Good intentions, positive, took them out for lunch, great environment, great conversation. And when I brought up the issue, which was quite a serious one for me, it was actually plagiarising my work and claiming it as their own. um, And also they had um, not backed me in a situation where someone was gossiping about me. So it was a really, you know, there's a couple of really serious issues. And I brought the issues up, and this person just goes, "Ah, oh, you see, background. You need to, back, you need to become, you know, get a thicker skin and uh, get over it. I'm not even, you know, why are you even worried about that?" And I literally just shut down because I, at that point, went. This is not going to go the way. Because when you look at my sheet, it's like, what do you want for this relationship? What's the ideal outcome? You do all this positive stuff. Yeah. And what I wanted was to continue working, have the air cleared and us move on. That wasn't going to happen. And so I literally walked away from that, went to my coach and said, this is what happened. And that coach said to me, you have, to, you have an option. You, you, you either stay and learn to live with it or you leave. Mm-hmm. So I handed in my resignation. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because I didn't need the money or the position, but I realized that my I tried everything like you said. Yeah. It wasn't gonna go well. And so I so my my end result is always have, you know, what's the worst case scenario if I have this? What's my what's my ultimate choice? What are my ultimate choices? And depending on the relationship and the stakes, because all stakes are different levels, right? You, you know, if it's a um Personal relationship stakes might be really high. You just don't walk out on it. But, you know, it might be that the next level is getting some counselling. You know, it's you've got to figure out on paper first your ideal outcome, then plan B, plan C, plan D. And when you get to the final plan, you have to be ballsy enough to make that decision. Why? Because then you're empowered and you're at choice. So this goes back to my entire mantra all the time. We are 100% responsible for everything in our lives. Mm-hmm. People go, what? I can't be. I'm not taking responsibility for how that person treats me. Yeah. Actually, you can. And to me, that is the most empowering statement as well as the most challenging. Yeah. We are 100% responsible for everything in our lives. And the other part of that is we are communicating 100% of the time. Mm. yeah it's um it's really interesting too I think when
0: you get into this you know serious like personal development journey and you really work on owning your stuff and reflecting on your own stuff and you're dealing with someone who doesn't do that and one of the the big things that I've I've had over the years and actually John I have done several podcasts with we talked about this um is that I get told that I'm too sensitive a lot of the time now I am sensitive. I totally own it. It's what makes me so good at what I do. It's one of your um, superpowers, girlfriend. It's, it. It's, it. it's like, it makes me able to connect to people. However, what I've found too is that there's like the, the component of, okay, I am sensitive. So am I overreacting to this? But on the flip side, people use that as a, as a way to uh, not own their own stuff. like And shut you down. Yeah. It's and to, shut dismiss, down. to dismiss me. Oh, you're too, you're too sensitive. Da, da, da. No, you're you reading just, too much into it. Yeah, yeah. You just behaved so badly and refused to apologise. Actually, so it's like you know, navigating all that stuff as well. It's really, um, at times, can be interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I've ever learned in that space for all of us is to always hold the mirror up. It's the last place we go because it's easier to not easier, because it's painful, but it's almost more default for us to look at the other person. What they've yeah. done wrong. You you, you. look at your eyes. Your eyes are pointing at the other person. Your finger's pointing at the other person. Your brain is pointing at the other person. Yep. Your anger is pointing at the other person. Your revenge. You're like, well, I'm not going to do this for you today because you did that and, you know, whatever. Mm. But as soon as we stop, take a breath and literally go walk in front of a mirror and go, I am a choice. I have a choice in how I respond to this. Yeah. And you know you cannot change other people's behavior, but you can hundred percent influence. You mm. can influence people. And so what happens is I work on becoming the best, bestest bestest version of myself, which is like a work in progress every day. And um doing all these things myself and then the people that are going to transform as a result and be influenced by that do and the people that just can't get on board that positive journey with you and take a look at themselves because by doing that we by looking at ourselves in the mirror we absolutely invite other people to do the same but if people are too blind to see that or aren't going to see that they'll just go and it won't be like a it'll just be a thing you'll just go oh I haven't actually seen that person for like three months and it'll just be because your paths aren't connected anymore because you've grown, they haven't. And so that sounds really scary to some people because we cherish our relationships. But actually, I think at 51, I've realized that my life has gone through so many seasons. Mm -hmm. And in every season, there's been amazing people in those seasons that I would absolutely say have been a part of me growing through that next season. Yeah. Yeah. Even the unpleasant stuff. I've learned. Remember, I never lose. I only ever win, or I learn. Yeah. And uh, I look. I, I saw someone the other day who I was friends with back in my twenties, and I was like, "Whoa! I don't even remember what it felt like to be that person. I don't even know what I saw in that relationship. It was so dysfunctional. Yet, eventually, we just grow apart. And you know, and it's really fascinating to me. But I was like, "Wow! I'm really thankful for that time because." this must happened door you know that that happened
0: yeah. yeah yeah it's really interesting having facebook now because you know the memories thing pops up and like a birthday <laughs> from three years ago will pop up and you're like holy i'm not friends with any of them anymore and it's interesting i started thinking of life as like a revolving door you know where people come in mm-hmm. people come out and quite mm-hmm. often they'll come back again you know someone will go overseas and they'll come back or whatever but it is that thing of um i totally get that thing of not wanting to let go as well and. You know, holding on to people, but actually, at some point, I feel like if you are committed to becoming the best version of yourself, you're gonna to have to learn to let go of the control a little bit mm. and um that not everyone is meant to be there, like you say, they maybe they are there for a season, maybe they're there to help you or to you know you grow off each other or something, but that thing of holding on tight means that we'll never be able to allow all the good stuff that's coming for us. Um, But I think it's also to do as well with the external, like we like to look at the external to validate us, you know, and it it feels good to have lots of friends and you know, like, Mm. so when you actually let go, it's like, Oh my gosh. And then I think we make that about us a lot of the time as well. That's what I was thinking about before, you know, when you're talking about the person who, yeah, who dismisses you and refuses to take ownership for their own stuff. Mm. It's like we it's so easy in that moment to to go oh it's because I'm not good enough they're treating me like this because I deserve it and that's where for me the self-worth bit kicks in so and the self-awareness where we can look at their behavior and separate ourselves from it and not make it about us
1: yeah Yeah, because it's not it's actually about them so there's so many memes and sayings about that but you know I wish we had time today to talk um about my other favorite topic which is our values and our purpose um, because I know it segues nicely into what you do with your people and I just feel so strongly that when if we don't know, if we don't start to discover and connect with our values and our purpose even annually so I know what mine are and they haven't changed for years but I still revisit them annually and do a check and i still connected to these as my work still You know, working the people that I'm working with still aligning with these in some way, they become your anchor and your compass. So you're less tossed at sea when someone doesn't like you or someone leaves your life, and you're just able to go, "Our values do not align, and that's okay." And I have operated out of that space now for 10 years, and it's been incredibly freeing. Yeah. Um, and, and the more I do it the stronger I become in myself and who I am and when you shine your light like Mary Williamson says um, yeah. you know you give other people permission to do the same and so I still have insecurities don't worry like there's still things that you know I'm sticking into my stretch like I said my ebook last week oh I felt like all this <laughs> stuff happening but I'll go there because I have enough I have enough strength now to go, it's not going to be catastrophic. If it fails, it fails. Whatever. I've done it. I felt like it was needed by the world. I've given it to the world and the world will either take it or they won't. My self-worth is not tied up in that as a, I have to have this now out there and I have to have everybody love it. So that's really, really, really key for me. um, Is that whole, um, my self-worth and my self-esteem is, is very much attached to my values and my purpose and, and who I am. Let's shut that door.
0: Yeah. I love yeah. that. Which is really empowering because that's what you have control over. Actually.
1: You only have control over yourself. And yeah. I think that was an epiphany I had in my thirties. Probably. That mm. was probably quite life changing is that I can only control myself. Can't control anyone else. Yeah. Um, and some people are really challenged by that because it's, some people haven't started that journey and so even thinking about starting to unpack some of the stuff is quite maybe scary or painful. Yeah, um, but It's so worth it. Yeah
0: it is it so is and I think that for a lot of people it is kind of they resist in the beginning as well because A it is uncomfortable but B you don't really want to own all these things that have happened. Like if you're on a terrible. Relationship yeah. or something—it makes you feel like crap. You don't actually want to say, "Oh, you know," or you allow your friend or like your workmate drops all their work on your desk, and you end up doing it, and you <laughs> resent them. You don't want to own that and say, "I allow that." You want to blame them. That's so right. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, also then it leads
1: to more when when you take responsibility, it leads to more actions that you have to take. And so sometimes I acknowledge that it's just so outside people's comfort zones um, that it's terrifying. Uh, But I can encourage, you know, from a communications perspective, you know, vulnerability, authenticity, you know, having your whole self there is a much more um, rewarding. You're not always looking over your shoulder. You're not always, you know, if somebody walked into my house, um, I'm not freaking out because they're suddenly going to see a completely different person that they see at work because that's stressful. Yeah, like, I just couldn't keep up two personas that's too exhausting <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's kind of like you know I accept everybody and people listening to this will be on different levels of that journey but um, yeah just encourage people to, to really figure out what your strengths are which is where we started this conversation around you know what are your strengths seek to understand um, yeah. you know, ask lots of good questions, deepen relationships be a bit vulnerable, find out who you are um and just do some profiling you know because profiling's fun if it's used for the right things in the right way it's so insightful get some good profiling tools yeah what just one isn't going to do it for you so don't just go do Disc or do Gallup you know do one for personality one for career and then a communication style or something and, and you match them all together like a jigsaw and then this picture of you I talked about that in the last podcast it becomes the picture of you.
0: Yeah
1: and uh, don't leave any bits of jigsaw puzzle in the car yeah
0: (laughs) I love that and I feel like too people can feel when you're being authentic and authentic is kind of like the word of the day but um I also wouldn't it just be exhausting to kind of go here and be one version of yourself and like which parts of me are coming don't you just want to be the same everywhere you go yeah you totally do but then I guess it takes like I keep I just wrote down then self-awareness is vulnerability isn't it? It's like being vulnerable with yourself um, which is probably the last person you actually want to be vulnerable with (laughs) I mean it's the first one really but it's probably the hardest one because there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide, it's just you and you but that's where your power is as well so yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah look and and life is um, you know you have your tribe um, and I'm I'm a recovered people pleaser from way back and uh, the day I took that coat off was a great day It was painful but it was great and I've rebuilt myself around actually it's not that I don't care what people think because I absolutely do but what I've done is sort to surround myself with people who I can be myself with Mm. bring my whole self to the game and we like each other anyway you know so it's that tribe you know you'll have a tribe they are your people for now in that season of your life and you know give and receive in that tribe and just accept that people that aren't in your tribe, you don't have to have everyone in your tribe and people that aren't in your tribe are not in your tribe because they're in another one and they're in a tribe potentially with people that have got, you know, aligned values. And so the other thing that I'd like to leave people with today is, is, you know, let's take the judgment out of everything. So let's take the judgment out of ourselves and out of other people. And the minute you do that, it's just... You replace judgment with words like um, curiosity, questioning, um, seeking to understand, and emotions provide information. Don't judge your emotions. Don't judge other people's emotions. They just are. And what information are they giving you? Yeah. Um, and so it's just those sort of things. It's a, I, a lot of years ago, I changed my language and all those things. It was That was also freeing and empowering, is stop judging myself and other people. Um, just actually going wow that's fascinating I wonder why they think that yeah
0: I love that so many notes okay honestly I could talk to you for days it wouldn't even be hard (laughs) but I think for now we better stop although we've already uh we've already got the topic for the third podcast So absolutely, I'd love to have you come back again. This is
1: absolute gold, absolute gold. My pleasure. And you know, my whole intention in the world is to help other people connect with their purpose and be free to be their authentic selves. And most of all, be able to communicate that from a place of confidence and, and, and um, empowerment and self-worth. Amazing. Mm. And just before we go, where can people go to find your free course? So if they go to dot Mm switchedonlearning.net and maybe you want I can put a link in the bottom of the thing so switchedonlearning.net and just sign up and go to the free courses page and there's about actually there's about five plus my ebook and plus some of Rosie's courses there and they're really cool courses and they're all about that but there's one on having vital conversations and there's one on finding yourself and your work persona and yeah there's cool stuff in there
0: awesome okay cool I'm going there now
1: <laughs> Go get all the free stuff. Yeah,
0: <laughs> totally, totally. All right, my friend. Well, as usual, this was incredibly insightful. Thank
1: you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, and thanks for everyone who's listening. I really hope you found some encouragement and some tips and ideas for yourself. And we'll see you again soon, yeah? Yeah, for round three. <laughs> oh.
0: We'll pace ourselves though this time, I yeah, Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. yeah. A little bit, but that'll be awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Jim. Thanks, Mon. Ka See you soon. Bye. Bye.